Hello, New Hope. I know, I know, I know. I don't know if you can handle me two weeks in a row. No, 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 you really can't. No. I don't think you have any idea what you're applauding for. Um, But uh, it it really is unusual. Uh, But uh, here I am. So uh, how many of you, just be honest, show of hands, when you were young, or maybe even still now, have an imaginary friend or had one? Okay, how many would? Yeah, okay, so a few of you would admit it. Uh, some of you might. Uh, any of your kids had imaginary friends? Okay, yeah, more of you admitted that. Uh, how about just, pre- how many of you were just really good at pretending when you were a kid, like whatever you did? Me too. I mean, I loved it. In fact, uh, some would say I'm kind of still in my own world because I like to, yeah, I go, I go different places at times. And uh, I pretend lots of things. Now, here's when I was a kid. Now, you have to understand this. This is kind of, I'm throwing you into my world, which is a little twisted, but I grew up in a, in a preacher's house, all right? So uh, all I knew, uh, basically, when I was really young was uh, little kid stuff and church. I mean, I, I mean, it's all I knew. And so when I would pretend, uh, my brother and I used to actually pretend uh, to do pretend church. And... Uh, I had a lot of stuffed animals and uh, of all sorts of kinds, and uh, there wasn't, come on, give me a break though, understand I was, it was the late 70s, I had nothing to do, okay, so I would set up all these stuffed animals in my room, and uh, we'd have church, and I would preach, I preached back then to stuffed animals, which, and to be honest, in in some audiences there wasn't much difference, but I think the thing is... (laughs) The thing is, it got a little bit uh, screwball a couple times because, but I got to be, I got to practice with all these stuff, and I got, you know, I got pretty good, I was being honest, you know, I, uh, I two of them came forward one time, and <laughs> I, uh, I got in trouble a little bit for my, my folks because they couldn't believe I was baptizing my animals, but it, I think that uh, one of them actually came to me for counseling, was complaining about the other one beating the stuffing out of him, I don't know, something, it was a, it was, it wasn't good. Um, but anyway, um, that was my kind of pretend life. Now, here's the thing. Everybody there at Newton and online and everybody here this morning, we're in this series called Reconsidering Community, and we've been looking about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of self. Tyler kind of uh, laid that out uh, a couple weeks ago. And then uh, uh, last week, we talked about really caring uh, versus just consuming people, having compassion, if you remember that, hopefully. And then this week, we're going to talk about authenticity. Uh, versus the facade. So that, guess what that means? I get to preach about hypocrisy. Everybody ready? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's so excited about hypocrisy sermons, and you should be. <laughs> Hypocrites? No, so. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm not going there. Yes, I am. But um, I was thinking that we're, I want to just talk to you, if I can, just for a little bit, just kind of throw everything aside here and just talk to you a little bit about something I've been learning on my own. Because there's lots of ways to go with this sermon, to be honest. There's multiple sermons here. But I really want to get down to what I just kind of stumbled into as a couple, I think, core reasons why you and I, because I don't think anyone is untouched, was struggling with hypocrisy. Okay? And it really goes back to the very beginning. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve. So I'm going to throw up a, a, a passage here in Genesis. And this is right, just to kind of set this up, a lot of you know the Adam and Eve story. 
but I'm not so sure we all know it very well, to be flat out honest. When you start really getting into the story, it's amazing how much rich content is there in that passage. We're going to look at Genesis. Let me read this. Now, this is a, set this up. Uh, this is right when Adam and Eve picked of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, with the one that God told them not to do, even though he stacked the garden 99% in their favor. All right? God gets blamed for the 1%. But anyway, here we go. So here's what we read. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, it, it almost assumed, the writer assumes that this is a normal event, that Adam and Eve spent time with God. And they would hear him walking in the garden the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Now, are you with me? This is hilarious, isn't it, in some ways? I mean, I'm not trying to say the fall is hilarious, because it's not. But what I'm trying to say is in the middle of this, Adam and Eve decide the very first thing they do when they sin is hide behind trees. All right? And then what does God do? He comes in, and he says, where are you? As if he doesn't know. Right? He is God, by the way. Now, it is really interesting, though, because I dig into this a little bit further, and I found out there are two Hebrew words for where. Uh, one has this connotation of, like, uh, where did I put that thing? I can't find it anywhere. All right? I have no idea. And the other, the other word for where means that I knew where it was, and I came back, and it was missing. Everybody with me? Two different. Guess which one this is? Second one. God was saying, oh, I knew where you were. I came back on a regular day to have regular conversation with you, and you aren't here. Where are you? You're hiding. And so uh, he says, I heard the sound of you. Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Now, let's just be honest here. Let's throw this on the table. I can't imagine any better life than being naked and eating fruit and not caring. There's no better life. <laughs> How, however, when it gets, it, it does seem really odd to me, and I don't know if you ever stumbled, if you ever thought about this. When you read the Adam and Eve story, how much nakedness is going on in the story? Is it just me? It seems really awkward. Why there's all this talk about nakedness back and forth? You think that there would be other things talked about. When the very thing, when sin happens, Adam and Eve realize they're naked. That's the big problem. That's the big problem? It is the big problem. And then the question comes from God. He could have said anything, but his response is, who told you that you were naked? What does that connotate? Someone told you something else, didn't they? Who was that? The serpent. The enemy. In other words, let me put it to you this way. God was saying, what other voices have you been listening to who have told you that you are not good enough the way I made you? What other voices have you been listening to that have told you that I don't need this anymore? What other voices have you been listening to that have told you that there must be a better way other than trusting your creator? 
Let's look at another passage. And I'm going to talk about both of these points that I get out of them and how it applies to what we're going to talk about today with hypocrisy. This is, a, this is actually a little bit earlier in Genesis. Uh, when, when in Genesis chapter 2, uh, when Eve was made, uh, the man said, Adam said, This is at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You're like, what in the world does this have to do with hypocrisy? Hang with me because it has a lot to do with it. I find this very interesting. First, chapter 2, verse 23 is when Eve was made from Adam, and this is before the fall, before sin had come into the world. Am I correct? Right? Now let's look at chapter 3, verse 20. It says, after the fall, after the fall, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I want you to notice a subtle difference because this is what happens before the fall versus what happened after the fall. Here's the subtle difference. You see, the word woman is referring to the essence of who she is. So when Adam, before the fall, calls her woman, he sees her for who she is and who God has created her. But after the fall, he names her Eve because she is a mother. So now he calls her by a name that refers to what she can do and not who she is. Everybody with me? These are extremely important. The two lessons I get out of this as we start to talk about hypocrisy is I think it all comes back to this because it's innate in every single one of us. Number one, can we go back to the previous Genesis passage, please? Number one, who told you that you were naked? Because of sin, we are ashamed. That's why they went and hid. We are ashamed of who we are. We are ashamed of who God created us to be. Everybody with me? That's the one thing I get out of this. Number two, back to the other Genesis passage, is this difference. Now that we look on other people after the fall for what they can do for us, instead of looking at for who they really are. Not only that, but I really think we view ourselves in the same lens. We view ourselves as value to this world, as value to this community, as value to this world through what we can do and not in who we are. Why? Because we are ashamed of who we are. See, I want you to understand something. That when Jesus starts lambasting people over hypocrisy, that word used 18 times in the New Testament, by the way, and almost every time Jesus is using it, about people who are pretending. See, that's what hypocrisy means, to be an actor, right? Pretending to be something that they're not. I want you to see that they're that going back to the source, that there are these good, these, well, bad reasons, but they're reasons nevertheless. That most of us fight pretending because we're ashamed of who we are. Most of us fight pretending because it's about what we can do, not about who's we, who we belong to. So hypocrisy is really rooted from the very get-go of this sermon. I want you to understand that hypocrisy comes when? <laughs> when there's a lack of fear of God. 
And hypocrisy comes when there's a lack of trust in God. That is that the source. So keep that in your mind. Because I, I, want, you, I want you to see that. I'm going to turn to uh, Luke chapter 12. There's a, lots of passages where Jesus talks about hypocrisy. It uses the same word, like I said, 18 times in the New Testament it is used. I think like 16 or 17 of those are used you know, by Jesus in context. As he is calling out, because one thing he hated more than anything, the God, our God, walking in flesh form as a man on the earth, preaching and teaching, and what he says over and over and over is calling out people who thought of themselves too religious because they thought their value was in what they could do and not in who they are. And that's the way they saw other people. And he said some really nasty things, calling them out as sons of hell and brood of vipers and, and calling them out as like, like whitewashed tombs that look nice on the outside but dead on the inside. I mean, think about this. Jesus, who was so compassionate, who healed and, and, and touched the, the hurting, who, who talked and, and, and loved them, loved on people, and this is the same guy. And he would turn around and say words like that because God so intensely hates pretending. Why do you think that is? Because we're ashamed. See, see, that's just it. I think what's interesting about this is I think a lot of people think hypocrisy and pretending is all about if I'm actively doing something or even with church people, I come to church or I come to be part of my church community and I'm actively pretending to be something that I'm not. That is hypocrisy. However, I think that a lot of us are guilty of hypocrisy also just by flat out hiding from people. See, most of us don't think we're necessarily guilty of pretending to be something that we're not. But most of the time, our community doesn't even know who we really are because we're behind the trees. So, so as, we get into, as we get into this, I want, just a couple of things I think we need to be thinking about. I want to put up uh, Luke chapter 12, like as I was talking about. This is one passage among many in which Jesus talks about hypocrisy. Now, he talks about the hypocrisy, and he just gets, he got done in chapter 11, he's talking specifically about these religious fanat, you know, fanatics, if you will, the Pharisees, who were so, they knew, the, they knew the scripture, they memorized the scripture by tons. But they would make up their own laws and ideas and, and try to hold people guilt over, you know, hold guilt over them. And so here, here's what he's talking about. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, I mean, that's just, that's a great, uh, I, a great thing there. He began to say to his disciples first, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is leaven? You know, it's like this yeast that works its way through the dough. In other words, what he's saying is beware of hypocrisy because it doesn't just land with them. It might start with some of those guys, but they're good at spreading it around. So you could be victim too. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Are not one of them forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered, so fear not. Excuse me, fear not. You are all of more value than many sparrows. I love this passage, and I'll tell you why. When, I, when I'm thinking of the things I just got done speaking about, what is it? Hypocrisy is a lack of fear of God. You see, Jesus just lays this out, doesn't he? Who are you really fearing when you're pretending? It sure isn't God. You should be fearing God. Fear the one who can cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Do not be like the Pharisees. So to actually be authentic means to fear God. It's connected. Now we're going to look, I, I, I just want to share some things. I'll try to do this quickly today. I really will. I want to share some things I think that really we should be really learning about what it means to be authentic, especially in community. Because not being authentic destroys community. It really does. And so I'm, I'm pleading with you, brothers and sisters, for these things. I'm pleading this, that we need to learn to be vulnerable. We need to learn to be vulnerable with God, and we need to learn to be vulnerable with each other. And I know that this is not an easy subject. I don't come up here with a, with a heart that's not weighted, because it is this morning. And the reason I do is because I think it's easier for us to say we're all for authenticity. But it's hard for us to actually be authentic. It's easy for us to say we hate hypocrisy while we hide behind our own trees. You see, it's not good enough for us to just repent from hypocrisy. We need to live lives that are authentic. And there's a difference. It's like what Paul said about truth and lies. It's not good enough not just to lie. You also need to speak the truth. There's a difference. The same way with our lives. In church, we so desperately need to be vulnerable. I was thinking, um, Luke chapter 12 again. We can put that back up. Look at the first couple verses here. Thousands of people gathered to beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Jesus is logically laying out an idea, and that is this. I hate to tell you this, folks, but you think you're pretending, but God knows anyway. Where are you? I already know where you're at. It's just that you're not here when I came back to find you. You see, that question was not for God. The question was for Adam. In the same way it is for you and me. Logically speaking, hypocrisy doesn't make sense because in the end, everything's going to be revealed. In the end, all things will be made known. In the end, everything will be laid bare. And no matter what pretense that we tend to have put up, no matter what kind of mask we seem to have been wearing, all that will be shed, and God already knows your real self anyway. And so why not trust God now while you're alive? Why not trust God now and be, actually shed that? 
You know, I think of uh, uh, one thing I, I've got I've to bring up. is It's, it's so easy. I'm gonna, there's two parts of this that are, that are really, one's easy and one's really hard. I think easier, let's put it that way, not, not easy. I think it's, I think a lot of people amen the preacher when the preacher says, you know what, we really need to get right with God. Amen? amen. You know, a lot of us really, even some of you may be hiding. I'm going to go, okay, I'll get my best preacher voice on. Here we go. Some of you may be hiding this morning. Some of you may be behind the trees, but God has called you out from the trees. And it's time for some of you to confess and repent to God so that you might be authentic with him. Everybody with me? Amen. Amen. Everything I said was absolutely true. But some of you thought it was fake because of my voice, right? But it's absolutely true. And that's the sermon we love. Now, let me preach the sermon you're going to hate. Ready? Because we trust God. Because he's the only one, because you're behind the trees and you're hiding. Instead of just confessing to God and living the life that you think you should with God, it is time for some of you to confess to each other. To live with each other authentically. Amen? Yeah, that, that was a, you didn't amen as much, and it wasn't that loud. <laughs> and I think I, I know why. So church, I'm begging you. The only way we can actually be vulnerable it's just my opinion, okay? And I'm not, I'm not trying to say this is gospel truth, but when I look at the scriptures and read them, I, I read like John and First John where he says we have fellowship with God. That's why we have fellowship with each other. They both go hand in hand. And so many times we want to be faithful to God, but we don't want to be faithful to anybody else. Or we don't want to, we want God to see, we know God sees us, but we don't want anybody else to see us. We think that there's, and that separation is what's killing the church. Jesus actually said that the way other people are going to come to Jesus is because they will see the love that you have for each other. And how can we demonstrate love for each other when we don't even know each other? Not really. So what's it mean to be vulnerable in community? Well, let me call this out. A lot of the reasons why people don't want to, including me, want to share from our lives is because we have way too much rampant gossip and judgmentalism in the church. Way too many people who think, at least in their mind, and maybe even act on later, that so-and-so shouldn't even be here at church. And when we are vulnerable with each other, it's amazing how that information gets around to people who never should have heard it. And I'm telling you, church, we need to repent. There are things that we don't preach about much because, like, maybe they're lesser evils, but I'm telling you, gossip and judgmentalism are two of the biggest evils in the church today. There is, you have absolutely no right to judge anyone else's salvation. You have absolutely no right to share details of someone else's life. It's not yours. And I'm telling you, if we would practice these things in a godly way, then maybe, maybe, maybe we would start to be more vulnerable with each other. For a community, we so desperately need that. We need to get beyond the small talk. 
Some of us have a hard time even doing this with our families, let alone our family at church. And so I'm asking, if you're in a group, your group, you need to set the bar a little higher at group. You need to be vulnerable. You need to allow people to see you for who you are and love them for who they are, no matter what they say or what they've done, because it's not, the value is not in what we've done. God created us to love us for who we are. And so we should do the same. Okay, I, I want to move on real quick. The next point is this, embrace the tension. I want you to embrace the tension. There's grace and righteousness, and a lot of us get, get confused. A lot of us think that God is going to love us by the things that we do because we've been convinced from the very beginning. Of the, you know, I showed it to you back in, with Adam and Eve. Uh, a lot of us are, are still so ashamed uh, of who we are, we have a hard time even embracing the idea that God would love us. Some are still fighting with shame so much that we just don't think. I, I remember I have, talking to one parent one time when I was in youth ministry, and I had a, a, a kid coming to youth group all the time, and they actually stopped and told me that they dropped him off at church, and they, and they drove away. Right before they drove away, I caught him at the car, and I wanted to just talk to him, get to know him. And they said, well, hey, it was nice to you know, meet you and all that, but I'm not staying. I said, well, you're more than welcome to. No, you don't understand. Uh, it's not too late for my kid, but it is for me. And I just want to go, what voices have you been listening to? And unfortunately, I think some of the voices they heard were from church people. Some of the voices they heard were from church people who incorrectly understood their own theology. Do you understand what one of the basic tenets of Christianity is? Is that you are saved only by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the things you do. Why do you think Jesus hated hypocrisy? People who thought they were better, who knew it, who had it together, who thought they were in God's will, and yet he says, I'll take the guy who's praying in the temple who says, have mercy on me, son of, you know, son of, like the blind man, son of David who cried out. You are nothing more than I am, which is a blind man crying out, have mercy on me. So you need to embrace the tension we are not saved because of righteousness. We're saved by his righteousness, but not ours. So understand that and live in that and be okay with that. And boldly, like Paul did, boast in the Lord because he's the one who has saved you. How come Christians don't boast more? I'm not talking about bragging of self. I'm talking about boasting in Christ because I am nothing and he has made me something. I was ashamed and he took my shame. Everybody with me? See, I, I want to show you something. I don't have the scripture for the screen, but I want to go back to Genesis. You know what happened after the fall? Right after that last passage in Genesis 3. Let's go ahead and put that one back up, if you don't mind. Genesis 3. Thank you. I'm sorry, uh, Two, the one with the two verses. I'm sorry. 320, right here. The man called the wife's name Eve because she, this, I told you that was after the fall, right? The very next verse in 321 says that God took animal skins and sewed clothes for them. We just, we just skim over that verse really quickly. Do you understand who the God is that we serve? He takes sinners 
and hypocrites, and he sews clothes for them. You know, it's funny, even when they covered themselves up with the fig leaves, they were still ashamed. And even when they wore clothes later, they were still ashamed. And even though you and I wear clothes now, we're still ashamed. It didn't stop it. But God, still in his mercy, because he cares about you, sews clothes for you. Maybe it'll make you feel better. Because you can't stand before him anymore, honestly. I'm trying to tell you that he already knows you and all your nakedness. And through the power of Jesus Christ, when he came and was nailed to a cross and raised from the dead for you and for me, it was all because he loved us and he was sewing close for us that day. But this time, he's given you clothes of white. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. And here's what I think happens in a Christian community that is serious about not trying to be hypocritical. I think what happens is we cease gossip. I think we cease judgmentalism. I think we try to embrace people in love no matter where they're at. But I think ultimately, a Christian community that is serious about following Jesus is one that confesses. We're not afraid to confess our sin to God because he already knows me. And the second part, again, the part of the sermon you don't want to hear, is the New Testament also teaches that we need to confess our sins to each other. I know a lot of people, including myself at times, that fight being hypocritical simply because we have not confessed to each other. We really struggle with hiding because other people don't know our shame. And I want to tell you something. There's something freeing about being able to be naked before God. There's something freeing about taking a little bit more love in how he created me. There's something freeing in knowing that I have friends who love Darren and not Pastor Darren. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's something freeing about a brother and sister that would gladly love you and sew you clothes if they had to because they really know you. Some of us have got to repent of the surface relationships that we have. Some of us have got to repent of the service relationship we have with Jesus. This morning, I'm going to ask you this and challenge you very, as hard as I can. I don't know what else to do. There is no, no special person you need to confess to. There is, that Jesus is, is the one. But I will tell you this, is that some of us desperately need and have things heavy on our heart that we need to confess to each other. And so, so there are people next to you who will love you, there are people in your, in your groups or people that you have just natural relationships with. I urge you this week to seriously consider confession. This morning, I'm going to pray. 
And we're not going to have any music. We're just going to dismiss. We'll be done after I pray. But we're going to have some people, some leaders and some people in our church just kind of standing around up front. And I just wanted you to see the fact that maybe you don't, not sure exactly who to go to. And maybe you can't wait till tomorrow. Maybe you need to confess now. And I want you to understand something. All of us who are standing up here who you would talk to and confess with can confess things right back to you. We are not standing here in a place of judgmentalism and definitely not gossip. We are standing here as trying to be servants of Jesus because we so desperately want to see community in this church. Amen? Real community. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask if you would just stand before we pray. Would you go ahead and stand? I'm going to pray as we stand. We're going to pray. Right after that prayer will be done, you're free to go. But if we're going to have people around here standing, and, and you can come talk to, to one of us if you want. We'll pray with you. I promise you we will try to be as encouraging as, as humanly possible because we know the cross, and we know what Jesus has done for us, and we know what he's done for you. Now's the day. Maybe some of you cannot wait. But promise me this. If you do not confess today up here, promise me you'll, you will strongly consider it to your Christian friends this week. You will strongly consider not just confessing before him as I trip, but confess before each other. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you right now to remind us of how you created us and who you want us to be. Oh, Father, we thank you so much that you love us for not the things that we do, but for who we really are. And so, Father God, I pray that we just can stand here at least boldly, or at least try to be bold in our own shame. It's just such a contradiction. Oh, Father, this world is trying over and over in so many ways to try to find some sort of meaning in their life. They try to find some sort of forgiveness. They know something's broken, something's hurt. And Father, we all know it. We know the very essence of ourselves are broken. That's why we hide. Oh, Father, may this be the day when we step out from behind the tree. For we have a God who wants to love and forgive in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.